Welcome, welcome to Soul Talk. So happy you're here. So glad you've stopped by to listen together as we seek to move with God's stirring in areas of the heart and soul. Since those areas are what the Bible calls the wellspring of our lives. Uh, Today we get to talk about God in real life, God in your life, and I can't possibly say it enough or reiterate it too many times, but what's in our souls is what drives the rest of our lives. So, why ever you stopped by, I pray that you hear a word or you hear something that helps you live more from your soul. Proverbs 4.23 echoes this thought uh, in a secondary translation of the NIV. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that is true. It's true that what we believe deepest inside is what we will live out. It will walk itself out of us. Therefore, for instance, if you, if you believe deep within that you're, you know, stupid or that other people are untrustworthy, you're going to live that out. If you believe though, that, you know, deep inside, if you believe I've been purchased by God, I've been created for his purposes and other people are his vessels as well, broken, and yet uh, he's using them as well. That's what you're going to live out. So if you believe, for instance, that God is active in your life, deep within, and if, if you believe he's at work and executing his plan for the restoration of all things, like he says in Acts 3.21, you know what you're going to do? You're going to live as though God is real, if that's what you believe deep inside. So that's what we're going to talk about today with someone passionate about the topic. So my friend Anne Michelle Kissler is a ministry truly pioneer as the founder of the Powerful Table Ministries, a nonprofit that exists to inspire and equip women to live out God's purposes through serving and loving others. And this phenomenal ministry has birthed so many other types of ministries, including multiple gatherings that have pulled together disadvantaged women of all types, from women in human trafficking to young marrieds to women in the foster care system. The Table Ministries has also uh, birthed uh, a podcast that uh, Anne Michelle is hosting called Table Talk. It's been for about a year, and I get to be on that uh, relatively soon. So we're super pumped about this swapping thing, Soul Talk, Table Talk. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, she's been married to Rob for 16 years, and they have five children from ages 9 to 15. And this is awesome. Four girls and one boy who is smack in the middle, solving the middle child problem. (laughs) It's great. And Michelle and I have gotten to minister side by side in multiple different contexts. And we always love when we get to, but the rare opportunity to sit down and chat uh, for both of us is indeed a welcomed one for us. So I'm so excited to get to introduce you to this powerhouse for the kingdom of God, this one driven to meet broken people wherever they are, a sister who is passionate about the fame and love of Jesus. Uh, and that it would expand to a lost world. So, Anne Michelle, welcome, welcome. I'm so very excited to be with you today. Thank you. I am super geeked to be here, to be honest. <laughs> you make me sound better than I am, um, so thank you for that. But I tell you what, for me to be in this space with you, you are, mm. you and your husband, Mike, are incredibly special to my husband and I. Mm. So you came into our lives, which you don't even know, at a turning point for us. Oh, wow. Um, Wow. We had just come back to Jesus and we were being transplanted from Michigan to Columbus mm. and we had just come back to the church and we we're like, well, when we move, we got to keep going to church. And so that was our first priority when we got here and we landed ourselves in your church and Aww. it took us from just being, you know, just coming back to Jesus to having purpose oh, in our lives. Man. And so we 
you're special to us. Oh. So I'm just really excited oh. to be here with you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, just to see what God has done through the unfolding of your life and your passion that listeners we're going to hear more about in just a moment, just truly has been inspiring to me. And I've been thrilled to be even on the sidelines watching it happen. So we'd love it if you'd introduce, you know, yourself to the listener. And would you be willing to tell us a little bit about your various pursuits and a little bit about why you're so passionate about this topic of seeing God in real life, God in your own story, so to speak? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that is one of my, I think God gave me this passion, but for women and to help women to, um, we, we all know, like, we'll, we'll go to Bible studies and we'll learn about God. We'll have knowledge of who He is and, and you know, all the Bible stories. Um, and, and I had that as a child, too. But where I think we miss is that that place of experiencing Him. And when we experience God and we see Him in our own lives, it changes us in a, in a way that we're not changed by just going to a Bible study. Yeah, right. and, um, and so anyway, that is my passion. That is what the, the Table Ministries is all about. And um, I got there from, you know, a crazy, uh, crazy story of my own, which we'll get into in a few minutes. But mm. um, yeah, my women and helping them to go deeper with, with Jesus and, and see where he showed up in those hard spaces, those hard questions that we have. Mm-hmm. Let's dig in and see. And it's it's a beautiful experience to be with somebody and going through that together. And and it's like I, I've been in situations where with women it's it's a um, it's a worship experience. As we just sit there and talk about he showed up here and then he was here and like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you know his attributes and his things just start coming back out and it's really fun. So that's well, what even what you're talking about just is calling to mind the scriptures about extolling, you know, the various virtues of God and how he calls us back to that. And it really is a place of rooting for us or how we, you know, one generation will tell the next generation of the good deeds of the Lord. Like when we can spend time doing that, we are changing. It is a worship experience. And, you know, I, I once heard that worship isn't worship unless it changes us. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's true. We're always changed when we truly worship. So, well, you know, you mentioned it. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about your particular story and why it was so life-changing for you to have kind of a moment when you were actually able to see God in your story in a way like never before? Yep. Um, Yeah. So here's we go. It gets down and dirty. (laughs) Right away. I don't mess around. We're in the deep end of the pool right now. And I'm not afraid of that. So let's go. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to start with the beginning. Um, Like, from my earliest memories, I was, I was abused as a child. I was sexually mm. abused. Um, and so that just kind of, I didn't realize I didn't have memory of it at the, you know, right yeah, away, but right. there's a common experience it did, by the way. came back. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, what it triggered in me was that it was my fault that I had been abused. And so it was because I was a pretty little girl and that was my problem. And so I wanted to solve that problem by basically destroying myself. So at the age of eight, um, I started eating disorder behaviors and just started trying to pretty much, um, just tear apart my body so that Mm. it, it didn't inflict more pain on me. Mm. And so, um, that I, I, continued on with for a long time. And, and then there was more abuse. Some of it was in the church. Some of it was out of the church. It was kind of um, just, I think once somebody has broken that barrier, then you don't have boundaries. And so Correct. anybody can do and say whatever and, Correct. and you just allow it. Um, and then I, I, my mother had a lot of depression when I was a kid. And so she was really um, 
in bed a lot of my little kid life. And so I didn't have anybody standing up for me either and saying, no, you can't talk to her that way. or You can't do that. Mm. Or, you know, it was just kind of, uh, and so what the answer for me as a little kid was you just go inside, you just run away from it rather than Mm. like dealing with it. And so I ran away from things and I didn't feel like it was something you could talk about or, um, deal with, with anybody else. And so I just tore myself up over it. That continued on for a long time, and um, uh, needless to say, I didn't have great relationships. Uh, my dating life was really weird and awkward mm. because I was weird and awkward. And mm. so I, uh, the first guy who really kind of took me on a second date, I decided that was who God wanted me to marry because that's all I knew. It was the only person who had really Aww. taken a second you know, try <laughs> at, at it with yeah. me. So, so I married that guy. And um, that really kind of started my downward spiral Mm. of uh, my health getting worse and worse and worse. And um, so at some point I end up in the hospital at twice, actually the second time that I was there, they said, here's the problem is your organs are failing. Your heart is leaking. Mm. And this leads to a heart attack. That's where you're going to be. And then they said, there's nothing we can do for you. There's no pill or surgery we can give you. And so you really have to sort this out. We think, well, I didn't say that we think you have an eating disorder. Um, and here's some, some people that you might be able to go talk to and see if they can help you figure this out. Cause there's nothing we can do. And there was a part of me that knew that there was something truthful about what they were saying. Yeah. But just a small part, most of me thought you're wrong. I got heart disease and I'll be back because I didn't want to deal with it. Right. So oh. I leave and I go to, they told me to call my insurance company and the insurance was like, well, you know, looks like and when I told them what the diagnosis was, they were like, oh, well, your copay will be $10. Now, that should make anybody be like, what? Like, nobody gets a $10 copay. So I figured, well, for, you know, a couple, $10, $20, $30, I could probably get enough ammunition to go back to them and tell them, no, would you please, like, fix my heart? So I went to to see somebody, mm. and, um, you know, she said, I'm going to need about three sessions before I can really kind of give you a diagnosis. And so, okay, I could probably spend the 30 bucks. So I did. <laughs> and at the end of the, the three sessions, I came in expecting her to be like, girl, you're fine. Go home, you know. And um, she did not. She sat me down and said she had been solely dealing with eating disorder patients for 15 years. That was her job. Mm. And um, she looked at me and said, you have the worst case I've ever seen. And it was like, whoa, like like a bowling ball had wow. just been dropped on top of me yes, because sure. I, I knew that my body was dying. I could feel it. There were wow. days where I would be laying in bed. Uh, and then Michelle, how old were you at this time? I was 24, 23. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there. days when you were laying in bed. Yeah. And, um, and I knew that like, I was afraid tomorrow morning I may not wake up. Like I could, I could feel it. You can feel your body just wasting away. And so, and there had been lots of, you know, things along the way that there was times where I couldn't get up. I couldn't get off the sofa. I knew I was really sick. So, um, so there was some truth to it and I knew that. So I was like, okay, well then I'll fine. If you're saying that, then I'll stick it out for a little bit, you know? And so she would tell me, I'm going to be with you for a while. I'm like, it's like six months. Maybe we're talking. <laughs> it's a little longer than that. <laughs> 10 years later, yeah. and Michelle graduates. <laughs> but um, mm. that took me on a path of, okay, let's figure out what's going on yeah. and talking about it. So that was good. But then there was a lot of bumps in the road there um, because that point um, I married and, and he was not one that wanted to see me healthy because he married a sick girl on purpose and he was not in on the let's get you healthy. Um, and so one day in, in therapy, he outs with all this stuff. 
he's got his own stuff. I got my own stuff and they don't go together and that ain't going to work. And so, um, this was really tough because I was brought up in the church. There's no such thing as a divorce. You never, you know, it's not, not a thing. And so, uh, but it was also the only thing that was probably going to help me get healthy because this guy wasn't going to help me. And um, so I, um, my mom called me one day and, and he ended up telling her the story of what had happened in therapy. And she says, I'm, she gets me on the phone. And she's like, I'm sending you 200 bucks. Get out, get out now. And I was like, okay, my mom's giving me perf- permission. Wow. I can do this. And so I had to leave. It was, it was, it became very abusive and I had to just get out. So I did got myself in an old folks home and I lived there on the floor. I had no furniture cause I couldn't get anything in my car except like a suitcase and some stuff. And that's all I had. So, um, uh, at that point I really felt like I was at the bottom. Like yeah. I am living here. I got 200 bucks to my name and I'm living on the floor of an old folks home. Um, I don't really know how they got in there, but I, that's <laughs> where I lived. People on the floor were dying left and right. And I knew I was right behind them, but for a very different reason. Oh. <laughs> so we were, you have to laugh oh. about it. So, um, <laughs> at that time in my life, mm. that was the breaking point. The church that we had been a part of pretty much was, it was I, come on. I was in a life group with a bunch of newlyweds. Nobody wants your marriage problems. And so, um, since I was the one that was leaving, I was the one that was wrong. And so they totally just wrote me off. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. The whole church wrote I'm me sorry. off. Yeah. And, I'm um, sorry. it was tough, uh, because I had nobody, I had nothing. I was, I lost my marriage, my friends, my, you know, family wasn't really around and, uh, I was, I was alone. So I looked at God and I said, thank you for your service, but I'm pretty sure I can do better. I mean, I've followed you my whole life thinking you're going to make my path straight. And this is where we end up. Mm-hmm. This is not it. And so I thanked him and I, I full on walked away as much as a really good girl can walk away from <laughs> God. I did. And uh, so I just kind of lived how I wanted to live. I had three friends from work that were non-believers and were really great people to me and supported me really well through those years mm-hmm. um, that time. And so uh, got back on my feet. I'm ho- healthy and whole. And I meet this guy in Florida one day. And he, um, I was just like, he's so good looking. He will never even, even take a second look at me. And sure enough, he did. And I didn't know why. And I was as, su- as surprised as anybody else was around me. Mm. Um, anyway, we decided, you know what, let's, let's move to the same city and just see if this is going to work. Wow. And so we did. And then we got pregnant. And then we were like, oh, I guess we should get married because <laughs> that's the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> so we did. And then we had this baby. And we looked at this baby and we're mm. like, and she's like so beautiful and she's so sweet. And you know what? I know we haven't ever discussed this, but I actually believe in God. And if that turns you away, then okay. And I don't know who said it first. I don't know if it was him or oh, wow. me, but it was kind wow. of at the same time. And I was, we both were kind of like, well, aren't we lucky? Okay, let's just <laughs> nobody, nobody move because we're really lucky that we have never even discussed God. Oh, wow. And, and here we are with this and thinking, yeah, we've got some bigger responsibilities than ourselves. And wow. so. We were like, well, let's go back to church. So we started going back and we'd sit in the very back closest to the doors in case something weird went on and we were going to be out of there. Um, and and I just, I couldn't worship. I couldn't pray. I couldn't, you know, I could listen, but I could ask questions. And so I would stand back there and I would just be like, God, can you explain this and this and this? Mm. Where were you when I was abused? I mean, you're right. supposed to be a present God. Were you present? And if you were present, then you're not good. Right. Because why would you let that happen right. to a little girl? And then, you know, all the other things, you know, how, how, why the whole implosion? Why did my life have to completely implode that I had no friends left? 
And um, so I just started asking those questions. I'm like, you're going to have to show me how a good God lets this bad stuff happen to somebody. And man, he started showing up one after the other after the other question. So the where was I when the abuse started? I had been given this vision of the room. I knew where it all started. I knew how the abuse had started because in therapy, I had gotten a vision of it. Uh, Anyway, got a vision again in church one day, same room, same view. I've always had top down. There's a a chair in the corner. It's always been there. This time Jesus is up up on the back, knees pulled up to his chest, sobbing. sobbing. And I, I can, I know why he's sobbing. He's sobbing because he's angry first that this sin happens in this world and he hates it. Oh, I hated it too. So that was real healing that he would hate it along with me. And then the second thing, he was just sad that I had to endure it. He said, I hate this world. I hate the sin in the world. And I hate that you have to live through it. And so that was, I mean, unbelievably healing to somebody who didn't, just really thought God was vacant in that space. Um, The team that saved my life. I mean, this, this five yeah, the therapist and then all of the people that came with her uh, carried me for two years where I could barely walk mm. and um, really got me yeah, to a place where I could even allow myself to begin to heal. That was a miracle in and of itself. And he had his hand totally in that because it was a business card I'd been handed. And Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I know. Right. And one okay. of those. And I didn't trust anybody, you know, let alone someone yes. I don't know. And so that was all. Um, and then meeting my husband and like, he had totally orchestrated all we met on a French Island in Disney world and (laughs) had never spoken of God. And then we have this baby and we have a whole lot more behind us than that. So there were so many places where he said, and I was here and I was here and this is who I am. And at the end of it, I looked at him and I was just like, if, if you were this, you're better than I thought you were. You're more present than I thought you were. You are more kind and loving and good Hmm. than ever. The, The life implosion was another one. And he said to me, girl, we burnt the house down so that you could start over. Had I let you keep anything, you would have built on that foundation, which was lies. You lied to people. You acted like you was perfect and you're not. And I mean, all sorts of things. And just, just said, we just, just burned it down. And then we started over completely. And I was allowed, I was allowed to have a real life that was real and, um, I don't know, healthy, I guess, because I didn't build it on one foundation, one friendship that was rooted to my old world. And and it was a gift. And I looked at him and said, well, I mean, that was the best thing you could possibly do for me. I would have never said that, you know, five years ago, but it was. And so when I got to the end of that, I lifted my hands and I said, it's yours. What do you want to do? Yeah. I'm yours. Take there it. You go. I'm all yours. Cause I don't know how you could respond any other way, frankly. Yeah. And uh, so they gave me a dream and said, I want you to bring women. I want you to help women to get to this, you know, help Huge. them to get Huge. to vulnerable places where I can show up. Yeah. And then, so that's how, that's why I'm here. And that's and why, why your passion yes. is what it is. Well, it's so fascinating because as a counselor, so often I have people say to me, how could like, where was God when X was happening? And I don't know that you and I have ever had this discussion, but I will often just say, okay, let's just, let's just stop and just pray and just ask him if he's willing to show you where he was. Mm -hmm. And so often it will be, he was there and he was sobbing. Oh, he was there. He was in the corner. He was, he was at the side of the bed. He was, you know, at the side of the stairs, like he, he was there and he was sobbing Oh, over I and love over again. it that other people have had that same vision. Like, I love that. I, I literally have goosebumps. I do too. Me. Yes. I love that. Yes. Oh. 
And so, of course, people then go to the theology of it, which is not the purpose of this Mm -hmm. podcast. But there's a reality, too. He is withholding his own power right now so that none should perish. And he is a consistent God. His character is consistent. So he can't over here stop withholding his power so that this sin doesn't happen over here while he's still withholding his power. He's completely consistent. So I don't know if that makes sense to someone who needs to hear that. But for those of us who are like, how could God possibly be in the middle of X, whatever the X is in your life, right? Uh, to, to be able to ask the question, not like, like, where are you? So I, many of us say, where are you? As in, I can't find you. How could you possibly be there? To instead ask, where are you? With the premise, I know you're here somewhere. Would you give me eyes to see you? That we could change our lives by being willing to move from that question, where are you? Which is, I can't find you. I can't see you too. Where are you? I know my heart knows deep in my soul, as we started this podcast with, I believe and I know that you're here somewhere. So would you give me eyes to see where are you? And he will always answer that mm-hmm. prayer. So the the assumption that he was in the room has been a game changer for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that, you know, many folks that are listening are feeling the desire to pursue this in their own story, in their own thinking about their own personal history and events in their life. And so, you know, I loved how um, when we were chatting earlier, you mentioned having sort of a system that you've shared for how to kind of start this or do this. Because I was like, hey, how do you kind of get people who are like, this sounds amazing as I'm listening to this and listening to her, but I don't even know how to do that into my own life. I don't know how to operationalize that in my own life. Do you mind sharing some of your approach with the listeners here to give them some tips for how to explore this in their own lives? Absolutely. Yes. So I would start with just writing it down. Just get it out. Just just write your story, the details, as far as you want to go, whatever. Um, just, just I, I call it verbal vomit. Just, I would say just as go. detailed as possible. Yeah. Okay. Get super detailed about it. Verbal vomit all over your your paper, just whatever. Let it out. Get it out. Okay. And this is, you know, I'm inserting myself here, but this is on a prompting just to say this. Because the more detailed the memory, the more detailed something is, means something significant happened there. Even if it was like, no, this other huge major event happened. I don't have many details around it, but I know it was a huge event in my life. But if you have even a weird, like, I don't know why I remember this hallway and this person so vividly, the vividity of a memory tells us something significant happened in our souls there particularly in developmental years, just FYI. So as you're writing your story, if you are coming across a part of your story that is super vivid and you got, you have like hyper details on it, I would definitely pay a lot of attention to that. I love that. That's good. Actually good advice for myself. Um, all right. Second part, then I would then um, think back to those hard parts, think, think back to the, t- the, the tough things and then find, ask God or find where was God in that. Mm. So, and maybe like you said earlier, it's a prayer. You ask, I don't know. Like I did. I stood back in the church and I was like, I don't know where you were. Would you show up? Would you tell me? Would you show me? Um, or maybe it's that you do know and you need to write that part out next to it. Like, okay, this is, this was ugly and hard and I, I have questions around it. Okay. So who was, was, where was he in this? Did he show up? Do I, can I see him? Mm-hmm. Um, or can I see an attribute of God? Um, can I see a characteristic of God that I know because I've studied the Bible and so I can take what I, my knowledge that I have and now begin to apply it to real life. This scenario, this is who God is mm-hmm. for me in the room. God was present. Mm-hmm. I thought and God so, was not. 
and Anne Michelle is circling, like using her hands to circle and using like over here on the margin. So obviously it's like, get that story out and then start like highlighting it, underlying it, um, scoring things and writing notes in the margin that start to pull these things together is what you're alluding to. Yes. Drawing lines between your ugliness and God's goodness mm-hmm. is really what it comes down to. Then um, then go and, and search the Bible for another story that might you might be able to draw some parallels between your story and one of the Bible stories. Um, and so write that piece out. Who is that? Um, how do you, like, uh, what Bible character do you mm-hmm. really kind of resonate with? <laughs> um, me, Job. I felt Job. Like, I'm like, I've, it all happened to me, everything. And so, uh, but there's many. But find one that maybe it has some parallels and and look at the parallels between the two stories and then see, because we know what God taught them or what the purpose of yeah, is that. And then great. you can apply that to your life as well. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much um, how I go about it myself. And when we go about with speakers at the table gatherings, we do the same thing. We do it in a group. And so I wouldn't say that you should jump into telling somebody being super vulnerable, somebody right away. Um, if you're not comfortable, but once, but for some people we do process externally. So we have done that. And so that would be the last step where I would say, go tell somebody and share it with them. And then they can then tell you, oh, I see God here and I see God there. So when we do that with the table gatherings, we have um, like some of our speakers will come, then they'll tell our story. And then those of us that are there to encourage them and, you know, put the stuff together, we will say back to them, this is who I see God in your life. This is how I see God here and there. And it just becomes this beautiful worship service at the end. It's really exciting and it's really fun to be a part of. So oh, that's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Such an excellent tool. So yeah, maybe listener, you want to just stop and sort of write down, uh, she almost listed for us kind of steps, you know, about writing out your story, thinking back to the hard parts, sort of highlighting, scoring them somehow, writing verses or particular attributes of God or just anything that you could see of God and your first blush over those stories as you're reading over those stories and then do a deeper dive and go into the word and begin to think about some of God's uh, stories and some of the things that biblical characters went through and to see what parallels there are for for your life. And then the idea of kind of taking that vulnerable, I think I see God here in my story, maybe, and sharing it with somebody, and then they can speak back to you. Yes, I see God there. This is also how I see God showing up in your life. And, you know, you've said it before, it becomes sort of this worship experience. Yeah. So that's so helpful. I would love to just ask you then, how has this changed you? This faith building exercise. I mean, I really feel like I'm sitting with a bodybuilder of faith when it comes to seeing God in the details of your life. How has that sort of, you know, robust work uh, made you a different person than you used to be? Yeah, this is somewhat embarrassing because it's like telling you all my flaws, but (laughs) I... You know, I when when I was full on anorexic, I built a beautiful wall around my house. I had a beautiful home. I had, you know, wore the right clothes. I said the right things. I did the right things. Um, and I I wanted you to believe that I was one thing mm-hmm. because I needed to believe that I was that thing. I wasn't trying to lie to you, but I was lying to you, and I was really good at it. You could probably look at me today and still say you could see some of those things because they're probably just ingrained in me. But here's how it changed me, realizing that I'm not that, is that once I got to the bottom of, yeah, no, you're a messed up person and you have had, you've done a lot of things you shouldn't do. And you've all, I get to all my brokenness and I really examine it and I kind of come clean with it. And then Jesus pours his blood all over it Mm. and says, it's gone. (laughs) 
That changes you. You don't walk away from that carrying it the same way you did. And so the walls that were necessary before just to keep myself from really crumbling are no longer necessary. So I can let them down and I, I can be vulnerable with somebody and not be but not be harmed. I mm. won't I won't walk away totally damaged mm. for, you know, months. Um, and so it, it kind of just changed the fabric of me, yeah. you know. And I'm super thankful for it. And I wouldn't have ever realized that that was possible or even that that needed to happen a long time ago. But once I realized how strong it made me and and it was his strength, not mine. And so it's always there. It's not faltering like mine would. Mm. Then, I mean, I'm a completely different person, completely in my head and in my body and in my heart. That's incredible. Yeah. And it's all because of him. Like, I just just hold on. <laughs> Oh, that's go, Jesus. Where are we going? (laughs) And I just love it because it's so easy for us to see those of us who know you that walking in this confidence of God's authoring of your story and his intimate involvement and companionship in your life that this exercise has allowed you to do and allowed you to see this exercise, like I said, has allowed you to become bold and free enough to do many things that people in our society, particularly women in our society who might look and come from the same neighborhoods, even as you, that they might not be able to do. So I'm really excited for you to tell us about how God has taken you on this journey and made you more bold to reach beyond your own comfort zones and maybe what some of those areas have been. So just take us around the the barn here about what God has you involved in and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, well, a lot of our gatherings is kind of where it starts. So, and I think it started with the very first one we did. I shared my story at the, at the very first one. And I was there. Um, yeah. I remember. Oh, no, it was an amazing night. Like it was crazy. It was so surreal. Um, but I remember going in thinking, I'm going to share my story and, um, I don't know a whole lot about these people. And when I get done, they're going to know a lot about me, mm-hmm. which they have the power to do something with. They could, you know, make fun of me. They could say ugly things about me. They, they, I've really given them a lot of power. Um, and that's, that's kind of scary. So I asked God to just show up and protect me. And he has, he's protected me to this day from it, um, which I'm thankful for, but, I think it does change you to when you are, are are willing to be vulnerable and let other people see that it's possible and you don't completely fall apart by it. Um, like I didn't know, I did not self implode when I, you know, when I tell somebody my story and then, but what I saw it do that night was it allowed other people to get into theirs and to, to kind of get a hold of some of those broken parts in yep. themselves and say, Okay, that piece of her that she just was willing to tell me, I don't I, I don't actually think they judge me for it. I think they look inside themselves and say, I have that part too. Oh, or I yes. have that part or that part. Oh yes. And I was lucky to have a lot of the parts. And so when I <laughs> tell it to somebody or to people, I, I feel like little lights go off. Oh yeah. And I hope that they grab a hold of that like I did and say, Okay, God, show me where you were. Yes. And they can have that same experience and, and in the end you just got freedom to be who you really are. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're you know, you're talking about where you started with all of these ministries was by the vulnerable disclosure of your story. And I, you know, what you're saying about these, I like how you said these little light bulbs going off in one another. Research shows that vulnerability begets vulnerability. Mm -hmm. If you're willing in any context to be the one who just takes that step and leads into vulnerability, uh, that it will, that other people will be invited into that same vulnerability and it'll follow. It'll follow. Yeah. 
The other thing I learned in it was when I would meet with some of these women who have a really hard, deep story, like a human trafficking survivor yeah. or a foster youth or somebody who's lived a life that we would all look at and say, that's a very difficult life. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I shared my story with them and they shared theirs with me. It was odd how many connections we had. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I would never would have walked into a room and said that I get these people or that they would get me because right. we look like we come from very different places. But when you get vulnerable and you show up and allow people to see that part of you you realize how we're all the same we're all the same and that's like sobering and beautiful all at the same time yes and so the first time I did that with a human trafficking survivor and we talked and we both looked at each other at the end and we're like I love you like I get you I get you and I can't believe I get you right and that went both ways yeah that's a sobering moment yeah and um but it does change you it changes everybody and that is God that's yeah. that's the connector there it's yeah. beautiful. We're all broken. Yeah. And I mean, and pain is pain. Yep. And so once you're willing to start to share about your brokenness, it invites others to realize, oh, there isn't some standard that I have to have it all together. You know, and also pain is pain. And so we can all identify with each other's pain no matter mm -hmm. what it is. It's huge. Mm -hmm. It's huge. So keep telling us about the kinds of ministries that God has had you involved with as you've birthed the, the table and its ensuing offspring. Um, so we do events for human trafficking survivors. We'll do dinners for them. Um, we do foster youth. We have a um, for foster youth. We do. We do have done dinners for them. We've also done a clothes drive. Um, for young moms, we do a great giveaway every year, which is one of our favorites um, because you get to be real involved. So this is kind of fun. So I've seen women that have come to the great giveaway, we'll just say, and they've um, we, we, basically these girls show up to get everything they need for their nursery. So their young moms are going to give birth sometime, you know, the next nine months and they have a nursery that they need. So we'll tell them you come, it's a specific day and you can get everything you need. Well, we have volunteers that walk them through. So you basically get a 30, 45 minute window to walk this girl through the sale and help her. You need to ask her, you know, well, how old, when are you going to, you know, give birth and how old are your other children and all these things. And so they get to know you a little bit, give you some time to do that as they walk them through and find all the things they need. The things that we have seen happen out of an, an event mm. like that for these women who show up, um, is, I mean, I've had women that have been invited into birthing rooms. Um, we've had people who have <laughs> just, even after the baby is born, just be mentors uh. and disciplers of these girls. And it's, uh, and a lot of them will come and ask to be mentored. They're very sweet about it. And it's just such a precious time where as, as, as a woman, you just understand that. Like I've given birth and I understand that nobody understands it unless you've been through it. Yes. And so it's just such a sweet, precious time. So that is a really fun one. And I know you've also given an example to me about, uh, you know, a suburban Bible study that went from a suburban Bible study to all of a sudden helping intersect and save the life of a young woman. Yes, I love that story. That is one of my favorites. So we did an event for human trafficking survivors, just a dinner. We actually gave away two a scholarship, two scholarships that night to um, to them for a full year of college to two survivors, which was fun. Wow! Yeah, but that it was really God. cool. Mm -hmm. But that night, um, there was some some girls from this Bible study in my neighborhood that has shown up and they just wanted to come and serve the women and, and have dinner with the women. It was really lovely, but not all the girls from the Bible study could come. So the next Tuesday night when they met, they um, were talking about it. And one of the girls who hadn't been able to be at the event was there. And she was like, Oh wow. You know, my boyfriend's or my husband's 
brother, you know, it was one of those long distance um, relationships. I think their sister is being trafficked. I think she's in it right now. And she goes, and I know that like they've had some conversations. I wonder if there's anything we could do to help her. And so they're all talking about this. She's like, well, we don't know, but well, we know somebody who might know. And so I get a phone call and I'm like, well, I, I kind of know, but, <laughs> but I do know somebody who can. So I call up this, you know, a human trafficking survivor who now has a home that she, you know, brings girls into. And I'm like, she can help her. So we connect the dots between the two of them. And within, um, within 24 hours, that girl had been gotten taken off the street and put into oh. some rehab. Mm-hmm. And then a month later, she is uh, getting baptized and her family, her children come. And one of her boys raises his hand after she got, his mom got baptized and said, I want to get baptized. Oh, come on. Yeah. It was, That's I mean, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. And this is a, <laughs> this is a group of, you know, suburban yes. women yes. in their little Bible study <laughs> that they come to every week. And they, when they realized we had the power to yes. do that. Right. It was my, it's mind blowing to me still. I just love it. (laughs) Yes. And so that's the thing is so many people, perhaps even that kind of characteristic or for a million reasons, they're going to come up the minute that people hear the plea to just move towards broken people in any place that you see, whether that is in the affluent house next door, or that is in a very dark place in the city, just continue to be willing to move towards uh, loving, hurting and broken people that many Christians will be like, yes. Here I go. Oh, wait. But what about blank, blank, and blank? And the obstacles just come up immediately because, of course, Mm -hmm. that's the flag that evil wants to throw up. Um, So why don't you just, if you don't mind, take a second and address those hurdles that come up and how you would encourage people to get over those hurdles. Um, So I think one of the first ones is our own schedule. We Mm. have a lot going on, and we're very, very busy, and we're proud of being very, very busy. (laughs) (laughs) And so... You know, it's a mindset. You you decide, do I really want to do this or I just want to talk about it or I just want to think about yeah. it. And so you have to kind of get past your own, you know, re- regime, I guess. Like, this is what I do. And these are, you know, I don't have room for extra. I mean, you have to carve it out, make make time for it. And so if it's a passion or if it's something that God's laid on your heart, then I just say – put God first, you know? And I mean, that's what he tells us. But when it, when you're really playing it out, this is what it looks like. It means putting God first and <laughs> something else comes next week mm-hmm. or and I, because I'm going to do this this week and you put it on your calendar is what you do. Uh, but that's, a, it's a hard one because, you know, our things are important too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, that's one. Um, another one is, um, I kind of said putting ourselves in our proper place, but putting God first and then realizing that his agenda comes first, uh, his ideas come first. Uh, And so if I'm living in that mindset, I'll probably be acting in that mindset. And so I think that probably doesn't so much happen in my schedule as it does in my heart. Yeah. And so getting to that work in my heart of am I really putting him first and it does come on my schedule, but it's really in here. And so, so uh, for me, that looks more like, Every day, you know, I, I pray and I ask God, I give it to him. You know, here's, here's, here's my schedule, but here's my heart. And I want you always to be first. Can you help me to do that? Because mm. I can't always do that on my own or I won't see it. I want to have eyes to see mm-hmm. the things that are in the way. Uh, I had just had an epiphany the other week and I went on a walk with a friend for two hours. And at the end of the two hours, I was like, you know what my problem is? I haven't been putting God first in that area. That's my problem. <laughs> and I try, you know, and so it's just easy. So anyway, just making a practice, a discipline of that, I think is a mm-hmm. great one. Um, people getting past their fears. Uh, broken people live in not 
in different neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And so getting down into that, uh, and, and, and there's some, we talk about this at the table a lot because we're bringing a lot of women into some areas of town that they're not feeling, they're, they're, they're not comfortable and their husbands might not be com comfortable with them bringing. So we have some answers to that. And part of it is we're going to make sure that you're in a safe environment the best we can. When we have an event, we're going to do that. But second, go with somebody, you know, yeah. I mean, solve that fear for yourself because mm -hmm. there's some legitimacy to it. And I'm not going to wash that away, mm -hmm. but there's also a God that says, don't be anxious about anything mm -hmm. because I'm with you. Yes. And so we have to live in that space. And we also have to live with our husband in that space uh, or our family, whoever also has their own anxieties and concerns. And we have to be fair to everyone in there mm -hmm. and deal with that. So that's, an, that's another one that, that I see both sides of. But there is, God is there. He is with you. He is in control. Um, and the, and if this is what he's asking you to do, then you can be pretty sure that he's yeah. going to take care of you there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Well, you know, it's very interesting that a sub theme that's coming out of your sharing here today is that vulnerability is a pathway by which God can use you massively, whether that is your own vulnerability to share your story and that vulnerability is going to beget vulnerability and other people are then going to feel more comfortable, you know, sharing their own stories or perhaps even embracing their own brokenness. But even the vulnerability to say, God, you're God. And I'm willing to go to a place where I am completely uncomfortable. It is a vulnerable space for me. It just, it just reminds me, listen, when our security is really in Christ, what is vulnerability really other than trusting him alone for our identity, our security, our value? And our ultimate approval, right? So, yeah. Yep. In, in the second podcast, I think it was, where Allie and I were discussing um, some things, uh, particularly shame. We discussed, and in this shame group, we have discussed the difference between transparency and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference. And I think that we don't often think that there's much of a difference. But transparency has to do with the willingness to just be open about what's open about you and your life vulnerability. You said it earlier when you said it and it just clicked in my mind and it made me think of this. Vulnerability is literally like what you said, giving somebody the power to hurt us with it. Mm -hmm. Just giving someone the power, but our trust is in someone greater. Yep. So we're not talking about physical vulnerability. We're talking about this emotional vulnerability, this willingness to put ourselves out there for the sake of love in the face of challenge, to just continue to say, my God is my strength and I answer to him. If we're living, you know, self-protected lives, I have heard it said that self-protection is a sin and I get it. Hmm. It's like saying, yeah, yeah, God, I trust you, but not with these areas. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah. All right. And so I, you know, I don't know if this is this ties together or not, but it's reminding me that as you and I talked in preparation for this, I remember you shared offhandedly some super passion you have around the story uh, of the woman at the well and her vulnerability. Did you have a word you want to say about that yeah. here? That's one of my favorite stories. So what I'll see a lot of times with some of these women that, you know, we, we feed or take care of or whatever is that, you know, they don't always stay on the path. Um, things happen, life happens. And this was several years ago now, a, a very good friend of mine, it was actually that one of the women that spoke um, and I connected well with um, from one of our gatherings. And she was a human trafficking survivor and she was sober for 10 years and then life happened. And um, hmm. she, you know, fell off. And the community, the church community, the, you know, Christian, the community that has surrounded her for years while she was doing the right thing, 
just fell away. No, no, no. We have to have relapse be okay (laughs) in the church. And so it was a lot of it was on Facebook because that's where we like to play all of our lives out and Mm. our, uh, yeah, our opinions and whatever. But it, it, I was just broken for her because I knew the story. I knew even why the, she, she had fallen off and I get it. Like, yeah, this life is hard. And when life gets hard again, we, we're naturally inclined to our, our things that we do. Like, you know, I, I, as soon as I get stressed out, boom, I stop eating. Now, I don't intend to stop eating. Yes, right. But I do because right. it's just what I do. Well, and how many neural pathways have been formed? Right. And so literally at times when our higher mechanisms are not available, we revert to those things even unconsciously. Right. Well, she had had this happen. So she goes back to, you know, trafficking or um, drugs. Mm. My heart broke for her. And my heart broke for the story that the the um, content that was being thrown out on social media oh. about her. Um, but it brought to mind the woman at the well. And I thought, and I even wrote this up and put this out, but um, I thought about, you know, she had a, a past similar, right? She was, you know, sleeping with all kinds of people, do whatever. And Jesus lovingly said, you know, here, I want to give you something different. You know, the life you've been leaving, the things that you cling to, I got something way better that will never dry up, right? And so she takes it because he clearly knows who she is and, and she she recognizes that. And then she goes back to her town and she tells everybody yeah. about this Jesus guy and how fabulous he is and what he's done for her. And it's just like amazing. Have we you seen that, that represented in The Chosen? Yes, I right? did. I love right? that series. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, sorry. Keep going. But my question came to myself was this. Ten years from that moment, was she still that same person or did she fall off sometime? Did maybe the guy that she was living with or maybe right. a guy that she'd been married just was like, you know what? I'm kind of done with you. You're not looking as good as you did then 10 years ago out of here. And she's got nothing. She doesn't have, you know, a job or she's, you know, wh- wherever we find ourselves today. And and I revert to, I need to feel good about myself. And I don't know any other way to do that right. except this. Right. And there's enough time that has passed that, you know, some of that, a f- euphoria that we have when we first have, you know, we're mm. forgiven and all of our sins are washed away is kind of gone and we're back into some trenches. Mm-hmm. What if she went and found another guy who would tell her that she mm-hmm. was awesome and, and invited her into her house? Mm-hmm. Would Jesus still have shown up at the well that day if yeah. that was her 10 years from then? Yes, he would. Yes, there, he would. I have no question that he would. Mm-hmm. And I thought, why don't why don't we say that to this girl? Why don't we say that to her? Just you know what, girl, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. But you can always step out. Like, yeah. just do it again. Yeah. You've done it once. Do it again. And this time, you know, there's more people here to catch you. Well, all that I can think of in my mind as you are just relaying this to us is Isaiah thirty eighteen. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. And I just think, yeah, all of this talk, it's so true that no matter where we are in our story, back to this broader point of our discussion, God wants to meet you right there. Whether it's 10 years ago or today, right, or 10 years from now, wherever you are in your story, if it's, a, if it's in a place of stability and even comfort right now, God wants to meet you there. If it's in a suburban household, as we've mentioned a couple of times, yes, God wants to meet you right there in your kitchen at your island. If it's in a suburban household after an argument with your spouse where very hurtful words were just flung about, yeah, God wants to meet you right there. If it's an inner city on a side street, God wants to meet you right there. He's meeting you. If it's in a car where you've just relapsed, right there. 
See, just because we catch each other at certain data points in each other's stories and may or may not see a person that needs being met, he sees our brokenness always, no matter the outside, and longs to meet us right there, right now. And so when I think about Isaiah 30, 18, therefore the longs, you know, longs, like he, he's, he is aching to do what? To be gracious to you, to be gracious to us. He's rising this moment, like rising the idea of getting up in the morning with the purpose, the agenda of showing us compassion. When I think about that, I think about the prodigal dad running after his son. He was just scanning the horizon. This son, he took his name through mud, right? Squandered the inheritance. Doesn't matter. Can't you just see? He's literally just pacing, you know, scanning the horizon for just, I just want my son to come back. And God gives us this picture for us to realize it doesn't matter what kind of mud you've been rolling around in. He just wants to hike up a skirt and meet you the minute he catches you turning back to him, running towards you. So maybe, maybe some listener just needs to know God is seeing you and he's running towards you. He wants to meet you at the place in your story that you are right now. So, hey, Michelle, I know that you said that you have to get past yourself before you can do anything. You got to get past yourself. Is is that what you're talking about? Like past thinking that there's some brokenness better than other brokenness or past insecurity or past your fears? Like tell us a little bit more about your heart when you say in your cute self and get so away with it in a way that I love. It's beautiful. <laughs> you have to get past yourself before you can go do anything. Yeah. So this is, um, this is the hardest spot for me is to stay there. Like I, um, yeah, I, I know that my brokenness is probably where I feel closest to God because he's met me there. And so I feel bolstered and loved by him in that space, but other people may not be in that same space. And so they don't, so maybe they're judging me. And so I feel I'm always very aware and I trip over myself because I'm afraid of what that person's thinking about Mm. me or saying about me. Um, and maybe they're not even, but I'll assume all sorts of things. Oh, we all do that. Oh my golly. And I do it regularly. Yeah. And I have to work really hard at getting, getting over that. Um, and I, and God and I meet there a lot and Mm. he'll tell me a lot, get past yourself. (laughs) And I'm only okay with that because I know that when I do get past myself, he is there Mm. lovingly embracing me, even if somebody is judging me. Because it is possible that somebody is, and I have to figure out how to heal myself or protect myself from that. But it's only because Jesus just circles up around me and Mm. says, your your vulnerability is what I've asked you to use, and I will be here with you. And I have to stay there and, and constantly seek that space and ask him over and over again, today I'm going to get past myself. Can you protect me or can I just, can you just not show me or, you know, <laughs> yes, like, yes, wh- whatever, whatever <laughs> needs to be done, God, do you just do? And so, um, it's a, it's a multiple times a day deal. Yeah. And there are, t- there are days when it's really even harder, but I'll tell myself all kinds of things. I'm stupid. I can't talk. I, I mean, everything that Satan wants me to hear so that I don't go do something. And yes. so, you know, it's this battleground too. And 
Jesus and I have had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a battleground, and girl, you're going to fight it. Mm-hmm. So put it on. Put on the armor, and let's go and get it, and just stop worrying about everything else. Because are you a fool? Yeah, sometimes you're a fool. Are you, do, you say, do you always say the right thing? No, you don't. Mm-hmm. But can I use it? Yes, I can. Yeah. And he's shown me that over and over again. And with time, you'd think it'd get easier, and some of it does, but then— then you just, you know, get stabbed again and you have to pick mm. it up and wound, you know, clean yourself off and all of that. Oh, so. and Michelle, I just can't. I'm about to come out of my skin here because right now I don't know, to be honest, that I've ever seen a better example of Second Corinthians twelve nine, which is therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest yeah. upon me. And Bring I'm like, on. you are living this out in a way that is... Just awe-inspiring, frankly, and I'm very thankful for that. Do you have a final encouragement as we close it down or challenge? Or, you know, if you knew you could say one thing that folks would remember or latch on to, like anything like that, what would it be? What do you want to say? Yeah, so God gave me this just on my ride over here today. But um, that is this. Don't be afraid um, because God is with you and he is for you. Mm. And tell yourself that every day. He's for you. He's not against you. And so who can stand against that? So if I believe that God wants what's best for me and that he is for me, despite what someone says, thinks, or does, I can stand against it because he's on my Mm. side. And I need to believe it. And I want everyone listening to believe that, to grab a hold of that and believe that as truth for yourself and walk in that, live in that, and seek him for it. Ask him, go to him when I don't know, I don't have the answer or, or I feel really weak or I, I have a problem, then go and ask him to, sh- to show you where he is, to give you the strength, to give you eyes to see, and then just keep walking, walking side by side with him. Incredible. Thank you so much. So it just reminds me of, is it Romans eight thirty one? If God be for us, who can be against us? So God, thank you so much for this rich time of being able to remind ourselves you are the author and sustainer of us and our stories. And you have said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And so if we're willing to to do what our sister has encouraged us to do, and that is look through this lens passed through our story is looking through an old photo album you will just show us here I am in this picture and here I am in this picture that you are the goddess that I will never leave you nor forsake you yes people will leave you or forsake you but I will never leave you and I'm so thankful Jesus you did that you purchased that that we have access to total security Total comfort, total wisdom, help, hope, strength, endurance, uh, passion, perseverance, patience, all of the things that come when we say, I need you, God. You give those things in abundance so long as our hearts are yielded to you. So I'm just so thankful, God, for this time to celebrate that we can see you. If we look through our own stories, you will be found. We will see your fingerprints, your authorship your companionship, and though you are almighty, you are intimate. So intimate, and I am praising you that our sister has just brought that home today in a way that has moved each one of us. And I pray, Lord, that whatever you've wanted to do through this time, it would just you know, stay with us. And I pray your blessing on Anne Michelle and all the table ministries and all of the ways in which you have uh, anointed her for these ministries and to bring light into dark places whether that's for one or for many. 
would you continue to protect and anoint her for those purposes? So we thank you, God, so much for this time and so much that you are never done with us and that we're here for a reason, that you are for us and that you are with us and we can walk in that security no matter where we are and what we're doing in life. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.